Right, go ahead with the logic. Okay, Mark, logic one and two, Mark. Houston, we are set. We have a cryo press light. Roger, copy, cryo press light. Apollo 11, this is uh, Houston. Minus 10, 9, 8. We have a go for main engine start. We have main engine start. 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Hello and welcome to Space Gen, the show where you find out all the latest from the space industry. You can catch our episodes on X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8am or on SoundCloud by searching Space Gen. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and let's get into the news. So there's a mission called Dragonfly and this is a NASA mission and basically what they're going to do is have a quadcopter, a drone, roughly the size of a compact car. So this isn't small, this is a large drone and it's completely autonomous, fly down into Titan, which is the largest moon of Saturn, and go around and do some research. Now I'll tell you a little bit more about the drone because it's it's quite cool actually. It's a nuclear powered drone and it'll hover above the surface of the moon. It's supposed to be launching in 2026 and it's supposed to arrive at Titan at 2034. It's not a short trip, it's definitely something that we want to make sure is it worth going on before we go and do it ourselves. And how it'll get down is first it'll go through the atmosphere on the back of a capsule and then it'll literally drop off that fly down and set on the sandy dunes of the surface. From there, it'll make a couple of hops over two years, sampling the ground and sending back the data plus some photos so we can learn all about Titan. But what is Titan? We should know a little bit about Titan before we go there. So Titan is the second largest natural satellite in the solar system. It's also the only moon that has a dense atmosphere and it's frequently described as planet-like. It's 50% larger than Earth's moon and 80% more massive. And a fun fact, it's larger than the planet Mercury. Titan is primarily composed of ice and rocky material. The climate, and this is the most interesting part, which includes wind and rain, creates the surface that has similar features to that of Earth. So things like dunes, rivers, lakes, seas, probably of liquid methane and ethane, and deltas, and seasonal weather patterns, just like Earth. And it might change our preference. Do we want to go to Mars? Do we want to go to Titan? Maybe do we want to go to some of the moons? So it might change the way we view planets to actually live as an interplanetary species. The space debris issue, though, is starting to get a lot worse. Um, We've got more stuff getting sent up there, and we're soon going to have Starship and all sorts of stuff. We really need to start tackling this. The Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC, looked into drafting new orbital debris rules for 2018. So cleaning up orbit, it's not that simple. It's something that has to happen. And the majority of the concepts that I've seen, at least, are these massive big nets and they collect all the space junk, lower its orbit, and then it gets sucked back down into gravity, burns up in the atmosphere, and that basically means you've got a space trash van. Now, there's been a recent study to show that dust and vacuums might actually be astronauts' biggest health risk. So humans, as we know, are very adaptable, and the human lungs have been proven to be remarkably adaptable in space, but dust might be the biggest challenge. The absence of gravity allows that dust to float around and go more deeply into the human lungs, which makes it way more difficult to expel. And you've got to remember that some of this dust is very toxic. And we've got a quote from fizz.org, you can go and check them out. The Apollo experience showed that exposure to dust was unavoidable. 
And despite a diligent application of engineering to minimize this risk, dust exposure seems almost inevitable. The nature of extraterrestrial dust will depend on where the exploration occurs, and it seems likely that the Moon, and perhaps near-Earth objects, will present the largest challenge because they lack the atmosphere that has the potential to chemically passivate the dust. So if you can take your mind back a couple of weeks, you'll remember there was the Chandrayaan India Moon mission. And unfortunately, it didn't kind of go the way they wanted. Uh, it did crash. Uh, however, NASA has a probe that's just going to fly over the site to see what actually happened. Now, we've got to remember, to date, only three nations so far have succeeded in landing a probe softly on the moon. The Soviet Union, the United States, and China. India just joined Israel in the near-miss camp, but hopefully they learn a lot from this and they'll make sure it works next time. The SpaceX Starship is almost done, and we know because Elon just posted a picture on Twitter and confirmed that the legs are the next thing to be fitted to the Starship. And this is on top of news that the final steel dome has been successfully attached to the Starship prototype. And if you don't know, that was one of the largest remaining parts to be attached to the steel prototype. So aside from a couple of access ports and a couple of other small things, the next thing we're going to see with Starship is the installation of the landing leg fins, or the flags as I like to call them, the canards, and a variety of small additions like valves, thrusters, ground connection points, and much, much more. And this is all very clearly for the September 28th deadline, which is when Elon's going to do the big presentation on all of the developments up to date. Something I found pretty interesting, and a lot of people have been talking about this in all the space groups, is the idea of spiral welding for Starship. Now, what is spiral welding? Well, think of it like this. In layman terms, think of one of those kitchen hand towel rolls. Now, in the middle of the roll, there's the cardboard. And when you pull the cardboard out, you can see that it's wrapped in a spiral kind of a looking thing. And that's what spiral welding is. Instead of having cardboard, now imagine steel. And that's basically what they're talking about with the spiral welding idea. And that got me thinking. Now, if you do something like that, effectively you could have a robot because there's really only one spiral weld for the whole cylinder. And that got me thinking, what if you sent up into space a very compact, large steel sheet resource roll and then had a robot in space weld it together while it's rolling out? And if you think about it, it's a very smart idea because what you could do is build much larger structures in space rather than being confined like the space station to small modules being attached. You could just build it out there. Uh, you might have heard me talk about this last week. They're trying to get their massive expandable module to attach to the ISS in the next few years. They're seeking approval, and if they get the contract, 42 months from that date, they will have the first B330 expandable module. And what is this module? What, what on earth is the Bigelow module? So as the name suggests, it is an expandable module. It's almost like a balloon. It balloons up from a very small package to a very large space. And this particular model, the B330, has two galleys, two toilets, an enormous cargo space, two dissimilar propulsion systems, which is totally ideal for a long-duration space mission. And Robert Bigelow, who is the CEO and clearly named the company after himself, said that four people could stay there indefinitely. And a little bit of background, in 2016, the Bigelow Expandable Activity Module, or BEAM for short, was launched on the SpaceX Dragon and attached to the ISS. And what's really amazing is that it was only meant to be attached for a few months. But, believe it or not, it is still attached to this day. 
they have not removed it. And they recently did a report on it and it showed that it was way exceeding expectations. So, so this is really positive. And if they had a B330 attached to the ISS, that'd be even cooler. You should go and check it out on YouTube if you haven't seen it, but you'll notice something. There aren't any windows. And that's because Robert Bigelow isn't a fan of Windows. Uh, instead, there would be large curved screens. And you can see this from the videos and the photos they put up. But it basically conforms to the hull, giving you more space. He also noted that he doesn't like aluminum. Because for a construction material for a space habitat, it does have secondary radiation risks. So clearly it was all taken into consideration for the long-term durability. And one of the biggest goals they have is to be part of the Gateway Project. Now, some people have maybe heard about the Gateway. If you haven't, it's a NASA project to have a station orbiting the moon. So it's a lot smaller than the ISS, and it's only really meant to make lunar landings a little easier. Because with lunar landings, you have to have a control module circulating with the lander actually going down to the surface itself. You need that command module up there. Because how else are you going to get back? You need to have something to get you back. And that's what the Gateway would be, a small station that you temporarily dock to do your mission, possibly do maybe even a longer mission than normal, and then head back to Earth. It's also a good stepping ground for actually putting a base on the moon. You stop off, you make sure you've chose the right site, and you could add to the gateway, like the ISS, to kind of make it like a pit stop, uh, like a gas station, just before you go to the lunar surface. And if you remember from last week, there is actually concepts to use the Bigelow modules in a Werner von Braun-esque station. And I really hope NASA give them the approval to put their large module on the ISS. So we're going to keep our eyes on this space. We've got some Mars news. Let's talk about it. It's called the Kilopower. It's a small nuclear station concept that uses as few parts as possible. So it kind of looks like an umbrella. And the stem of the umbrella, if you want to think of it like that, has actually got the nuclear components. A single kilopower, which is part of NASA's game-changing development, or the GCD, could provide 10 kilowatts of electricity, which is enough to power multiple average houses. NASA predicts that four kilopower units could be used as an energy source for a manned outpost continuously for at least 10 years. First thing that jumps into my mind is that this could be used for the first initial settling of a temporary base. This, tied in with the Bigelow module, could really work together quite well. Have you ever flown on Virgin? Well, guess what? There's something called Virgin Galactic, and it's been around for many years, actually. So Virgin Galactic is a spaceflight company within the Virgin Group. It's been developing its own spacecraft and provides suborbital spaceflights to tourists and suborbital launches for space science missions. So if you've got a mere quarter of a million in the bank, you can go have one flight up and back. So the space plane, and it's called a space plane because the president of the spaceship company, who actually built them, call it that, is carried up to 60,000 feet on a plane called the White Knight 2, which is a quad jet aircraft. Then the space plane, or the VSS Unity, is released, fires up its rocket, and it travels 80 kilometers above the ground. Enrico Palermo, president of the spaceship company, said that their passionate and talented team has made great progress on the next spaceship too. Seeing the VSS Unity adjacent to the assembly of the next vehicle, as well as the cabin of their third vehicle, makes it very clear that they're building a fleet of remarkable space planes for commercial service. So just recently, they've been working on the Spaceship 2 vehicles, which are being assembled in a modular fashion with the cabin, fuselage, wings, feather assemblies, all built in parallel. 
Well, it looks like the Bigelow Aerospace Genesis 2 is in danger from a dead Russian satellite. And the satellite in question is called the Cosmos 1300, and it has a 5.6% chance of colliding. Now, if you remember back to the European Space Agency's warning, they start getting spooked out when it's 1 in 10,000 chance. So this is quite bad. Uh, now, neither the Genesis 2 nor the Russian satellite are capable of being moved, so they're both orbital debris at this point. Bigelow calls the Genesis program, which consisted of two uncrewed prototype habitats, the first demonstration of an expandable habitat technology. And the company used the test to feed into the design of the Bigelow Expandable Activity Module, or as we've talked about, the BEAM. Now, here's a headline. Japanese billionaire sells company to prepare for private SpaceX voyage around the moon. This has been making a lot of news. So Yuzako Mizawa, which I think I've pronounced correctly, I hope I haven't mispronounced it, sold Zozo to Japanese Yahoo for $3.7 billion. So I'll give you a bit of a background. Yuzako and Elon Musk have agreed to do a Dear Moon project, and this is going to use the Starship. The mission, which gives you a little bit of a brief, says that they'll head around the moon with about 8 to 11 artists and come back and display the artwork to try and get people excited about space travel. And the launch date's very interesting. Now, you've heard about the getting back to the moon by 2024. Well, the launch date for this mission is going to be 2023. The mission's going to be six days, and some sources have mentioned that there might actually be 20 people on board, because again, you need astronauts, you do need people on board who know how the ship works, to make sure nothing goes wrong. Again, this is all news that just happened in the last week. This is how quick things are starting to move, and as I've said before, we really are heading into the space age. So if you like hearing about the news, make sure to tune in to Space Gen, broadcast every Wednesday at 8am on X-Ray FM. Mm-hmm.